Welcome, everyone, to episode nine of the 37 Years podcast. I'm Mike Dubin, and we're here with Matt Dubin. Happy to be here. And we're here on a Sunday afternoon with a, a great time in sports right now and a great time for our teams and a great moment when you get to that March, April, beginning of baseball, basketball playoffs, NBA, NFL draft, obviously the Aaron Rodgers thing. Are, are, there's like a nexus of things going on as we get to spring. Um, so what we're going to do in this podcast today is, is talk about some of the, the news items in the first part of the podcast, mostly focused on the Knicks and Jets and a little bit of NCAA, and then... We'll talk in the second half about a Mets season preview and go into that in detail. And, and I know we have a lot of baseball fans waiting for the season to begin. We're about five days away um, here. So, <coughs> excuse me. I want to I wanna start, though, and normally we don't do this, but uh, a big uh, event happened this week. Uh, Willis Reed passed away. And uh, Willis Reed was one of my all-time heroes. Uh, I, I, so many people you, you run into say they went to the Willis Reed game in 1970. My claim to fame is I actually did go to that game. It was, uh, I went with my father, and there's, there's sort of an interesting parallel there to Willis Reed also. But the essence of this podcast is about championships, and 37 years is the last time one of our team's won a championship, the 1986 Mets. Um, but in that period of 1969-1970, in consecutive seasons, the Jets, Mets, and Knicks won. Now, in my lifetime, that's three of the five championships these three teams have won. So you had the uh, the only other teams were the, the Mets winning in 86 and the Knicks winning in 73, which was 50 years ago. So we could have easily had it called this podcast 53 years. <laughs> um, but the essence of this podcast is really about that era and that era of championships that we hope we're getting back to and in, in short order. And we, you know, we have a lot of optimism. But in that era, it was really defined by three superstars in New York, Joe Namath for the Jets, Tom Seaver for the Mets, and Willis Reed for, for the Knicks. Uh, while, while Clyde has uh, stood the test of time and, and is sort of the link from the current team to the past teams, those teams of, of, of Namath, Seaver, and Reed were the, were the essence of, I think, a lot of people's Jets, Mets, and Knicks fandom, which I think I've passed on to Matt. Um, you know, as we've, we've sort of gone down the generations. But going back to Willis Reed, uh, just an unbelievable spirit. Um, the whole memory of him coming down the tunnel uh, to play in that seventh game against the Lakers, that was a game back in those days, if you believe this, was not even on TV in New York because they blacked out uh, home games in those days on the networks. It was on ABC around the country. If you had cable in New York at that time, the game was on. He only scored four points in that game, but he led the Knicks to the first championship uh, ever for the team and only had two, and he was the MVP in both 69 and 73. He had a short career. It was kind of like a Sandy Koufax-type career. It wasn't like you know someone who played for 20 years, uh, but he's the essence of playing through pain, playing hurt, 
he teamed with a great team of Knicks, but it was truly a team. And, and you know, there were some great memories if you watch the Knicks game the other night that Clyde brought up about playing with Willis. And, and I think Clyde was visibly shaken. There was always some interesting things there between Clyde and Willis. Clyde was traded when Willis became Knicks coach. They never, and he said on the game, they never really discussed why that happened. And there were always all kinds of reasons. But nonetheless, Willis had a short but great career, Hall of Famer. And then um, he worked as an executive. He was actually uh, a little relevance of time. He was the coach of Creighton for a few years, who's in the NCAA Elite Eight. Um, He was the Nets GM, and he brought in Kenny Anderson and Derek Coleman when Chuck Daly, when they were good, and Drazen Petrovic. And he, he had short term as a Knicks coach, um, not not too – he was more of a better executive, I think, than a coach, but a great man. And I met him a number of times and a very warm man. And, and one of my um, great memories of growing up was going to that Willis-Reed game and going with my father. And when my father died last year, something I thought about was that Willis-Reed game and, and – sort of the warmth that my father had and the warmth when I met Willis Reed, they had very similar sort of personality types. So it's always a big memory for me, a big loss for the New York sports community, but uh, someone we should cherish that we got a chance to see play and someone who I think defined an era for the Knicks. So that's my two cents. Matt, any thoughts? I know you didn't see Willis Reed play, but I know. No, never really saw Willis Reed in action, but always hearing you talk about him and just the impact on New York sports and Knicks culture and just his greater overall archetype of being a, a, a great figure within the franchise, I think is something to be recognized. And obviously I don't have all these great anecdotes like my dad, but I think Willis Reed will go down as one of the greatest to ever do it. So rest yes. in peace to him. And He, he was the captain before Derek Jeter. Yep. So, uh, and, and, and once again, that came out this week as well. So Back to the current Knicks. The current Knicks are in their playoff push, but they had a pretty abysmal week, um, losing uh, a home game earlier in the week and then two games in Florida to Miami, which was a big game. Um, they blew the game against Minnesota earlier in the week and then to Orlando, a game they shouldn't lose, but it was a back-to-back and Brunson didn't play and they were lost at the end of the game. Now, They have games coming up with Houston and Miami, and fortunately, last night, Brooklyn beat Miami, so that actually helped the Knicks, but they're a game and a half uh, up on Brooklyn and two games up on Miami, so they're still in the fifth spot. Matt, your thoughts on where the Knicks are right now and what they need to do? Yeah, so it wasn't a great week, I think, losing to the the two Florida teams and having that paradigm kind of happen was was not great. I, I caught a bunch of the Orlando game, and it just seemed like they were kind of lost for a while in that yeah. game, and some of the younger guys for Orlando really torched them, and that was tough. For the Knicks, you know, Houston and Miami coming up. Miami, formidable East, Eastern Conference opponent, really need to take care of business there. Houston, a team that's kind of been in disarray but has some good young talent, so hopefully they don't get snuck up on in that game. The Knicks just need to take care of business closing out the year. The defense has been suspect at times. Tom Thibodeau's addressed it in his press conferences. I've watched all of them, and the defense really hasn't been great, and I think they need to tighten up as the playoffs come. Yeah, I, I agree. I think in the Orlando game, guys were just running down the middle of the lane. In Miami game also, they could have won both of those games. It was really sort of disappointing. But 
you're at that point in the season. Now, what I think is good is they've had three or four days off. It looks like Brunson's going to play on Monday night against Houston. Normally, that would be a laugher of a game, but that's now a must-win game. And if they can beat Miami on next Wednesday night, they have a pretty nice road because they have a lot of games against like Indiana and and some other teams that aren't great, Washington. And I think they can close out the season pretty strong. I think... You know, the other thing that happened this week is Randall had too many technical fouls. And yeah. we can't have that either. Randall was just acting out a lot. And I think it was it's emotion because you're going through the season. You're kind of in that weird home stretch intermediary between the regular season and the playoffs. But I think for Randall, and someone said this on Twitter or something, or one of the old pros, Charles Barkley, I think, said it. You have to keep your composure going That's into right. the playoffs. You can't be all over the place. Because really, when it comes down to it, it's the difference between a first-round exit team and a team that excels in the playoffs is having that composure down. Or, or Van Gundy actually said Van that. Gundy Van Gundy said that. Gundy yeah, said yeah, that. no, it's true. I mean, so the Knicks, you know, at this point, Cleveland's five games ahead of them. They're not going to catch Cleveland in the fourth no. spot. But what they don't want to do is fall back to where Brooklyn or Miami is. You want to keep the five spot. And, I mean, we went to the uh, Brooklyn-New York game, I think it was on March 1st, and the Knicks won by like 40 points. They should not be behind Brooklyn. So if they can get into that 4-5 game, I watched like the Cavaliers-Nets game last week, and Cleveland couldn't close out the game. They won the game, but it was like that's the kind of thing that if the Knicks get in that series with Cleveland, and it was at Cleveland that game, one, it's going to be a phenomenal series. Two, they'd have a chance to you know advance to the next round, and eat, whether they're playing Boston or Milwaukee, which will be a very, very tough series— that will be big progress this season yeah. if they can get to that. Yeah, and really I think it comes down to just the defensive fundamentals like we talked about before, closing out, sliding over to the right man. The Knicks have kind of haven't done the simple things right, which is weird for a Thibodeau coach team, but hopefully they get that rectified. Yeah, so we'll be watching those games early this week, and if they win those two games and the schedule softens a little bit, they should be in good place to just keep that five slot, which I think at this point in the season – is the goal because I don't and I, and I think what would be great is if they get to later in this season and they're sort of locked in in the five spot they can you know keep guys minutes down and get ready for the Cleveland series I, I'm hoping that's where we land I, you definitely don't if you're in the sixth spot the problem is you play Philadelphia in the first round you don't want to do that and if you're in the seven eight or all that jazz you don't want to be yeah. in that either so that's the Knicks let's just talk a few minutes about. The Jets made a little bit of news this week. They made the Elijah Moore deal, which was an interesting trade. We don't, I personally don't think that's the last move. Meaning, I mean, I know they have to still do the Aaron Rodgers thing. That may have been connected to the Aaron Rodgers thing. So at the moment they traded Elijah Moore, they brought in McCole Hartman, which is a good flip. They got, a, they gave up a three pick and they got a two pick. So now they have a one, two twos, and then a four, five, and six. In the draft, and the question is really now on everyone's mind, and it's stalled now for a few weeks, and we're into the Donovan Mitchell zone, is how long is the Aaron Rodgers trade going to take? How much is it going to cost? And what is this pick 
mean? Like, what is this pick? Is this going to be something they give to Green Bay? Well, what do you think about this, Matt? So I think overall, just speaking first about the Elijah Moore trade, I felt like the Jets kind of needed to do this just because they were bringing in a lot of guys. Like you said, they got Al Mazar, McCole Hardman, some other names, maybe OBJ that might be coming. So yeah. it's like they can't, you can't keep like 50 receivers. You got to right. just like kind of consolidate. And to be honest, Moore didn't really fit into what they were trying to do anyway. So it's like, I like his skill set. He's a very. Let me, let me say something on Moore. Yeah. I, I, I like Moore too, this first year. I, I think the problem, even with the horrendous quarterback play last yeah. year, Moore couldn't seem to get open. Yeah. And while Garrett Wilson was getting open, and I know there was scheming and all this other stuff. Yeah, there was separation issues. There was separation there. issues. And, he, and then he quit on the team in the middle and did all his, his you know. So I'm not crying that they traded more. I think with bringing in these other guys, Alan Lazard and McCall Hardman, certainly more than make up for more. And the question is, is what do they do with that pick and everything? Yeah, I, it looks like they might have to trade that pick in some scenario for Rodgers. But if not, if you so if you trade it, it's great because you get Rodgers. But if you keep it and use it on, a, let's say, another depth piece at offensive line or some other position of need, I think it's not a bad a bad get for the Jets. Like Moore was just, like you said, when he quit on the team, it just seemed like he kind of had like a short fuse in terms of his playing time and what he felt like he was. And I think the Jets have formidable receivers now and didn't necessarily need him going forward. Yeah, so we're going to have to see how this plays. I mean, you brought up the OBJ thing. I think yeah. that's interesting. I think, like, now let's talk about this. This is I was thinking about this this week. If they bring in OBJ, obviously they're going to... The, I think the Aaron Rodgers thing is going to happen between now and the draft. I do think that. I think Green Bay does all these scenarios, oh, they can wait till June, and they, they want a draft pick this year, yeah. whether it's a one, a two, a two, both twos, whatever it is. I think that will happen. I think it will happen one day when we're not thinking about like a it. a random day. It'll just be a random day, and it'll just come on, and I think it'll be a day between now and April 27th. So if the Jets get OBJ... After that, and they get Aaron Rodgers, how many times do you think they'll be on national, whether Sunday night, Thursday night, Thanksgiving? They'll be on five games. Yeah, and ESPN will have, like, the reels going Every all night. minute. And get up every morning with Mike and, and Greeny and whatever. We'll have uh, have them on every day, and it'll be it, it'll be an event. It'll be They'll be on hard knocks. It'll be the whole thing. So we can only hope on the Jets. So we'll see where that lands. So the last bit of news I want to cover in this segment is a update on the NCAAs, which have been completely crazy. I mean, we we knew this was a year for parity, but we never could have expected this level of crazy. Yeah, teams, all the one seeds have been bounced. Uh, UConn and FAU making it to the Final Four. FAU, a school out of Boca Raton, Florida. Yes. Shout out to them and my grandparents who live there. Right. Um, and, and in terms of UConn, I mean, a powerhouse that kind of fell after some scandal Hurley is is Bobby Hurley or Dan Hurley? Danny Danny, Danny Hurley, Hurley. Yeah, yes. he's really revitalized the Hurley coaching tree. The Hurley coaching tree. They Your really, father was a big high school. Yeah, big high school, big high school coach. Uh, he's revitalized that program. They got some dudes on that team, yeah. so that'll be exciting. They're a really good team. At Adama Sanogo, the they big man. They killed Gonzaga. Oh my God! And Gonzaga, you think is a shoe in for the Final Four every year, but. Today's games are going to be very good. Miami, they're they're looking Texas, Miami, yeah. Texas, and then what's the last Creighton, game? Creighton, Creighton, San Diego State, SDSU, Aztecs stand up, and Creighton, both very good teams. Uh, Ryan Kalkbrenner, the big guy in Creighton, Baylor Shireman, 
some of these um, – and Nemhard, whose brother's in the NBA. NBA, right. And then SDSU is like a mix of a bunch of random guys, but they're great. So going to be a, a good – very good day of basketball, and the Final Four is shaping up to be very interesting. It'll this be year. interesting. I think it's more for fans than the casual fans. Yeah, the casuals are kind of looking at it like, why isn't any of the ones? You know, it's interesting. In it. For the first time ever, they did the uh, regionals at Madison Square Garden because they don't do the NIT there anymore. So I guess that this was the first year, and they had it set up in the bracket so it would be Kentucky, Duke, and Michigan State. Yeah, and, you know, didn't, and didn't, didn't happen. really pan out, and they did not expect that Florida Atlantic would be yeah. the team. That I will, would... I will say the one team that got bounced that I really started to like a lot was Kansas State. Yes, Jerome Tang, Marquise Noel, Keontae Johnson. That team was just really easy to root for, and I think getting bounced. I would have loved to see them in the Final Four, but. I mean, Marquise Noel went from nobody knew who he was to 19 assists in that game. And, yeah. Uh, what, a, what a run. And this is what March is all about. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting final. Now, the one other NCAA-related bit is on the women's side, UConn was bounced. Who were they bounced by? Oh, Ohio State Buckeyes took them down. My team, the women's team, has been cruising this year. They have a freshman who's, like, unbelievable, who's been great. They, they came into that game, took down an all-time great team. Happy to hope they win the national title. Yeah, no, that was a great game. So uh, we covered a lot there. We'll be back in a few minutes, and we're going to give you our uh, Mets season preview with baseball opening up uh, this week. Okay, we are back. So we're going to talk uh, Mets now, and we're going to give our season preview. Opening day is on Thursday. The Mets open, I believe, in Florida. So they'll be in Miami. Uh, and, and then the home opener is, I think, a week from Friday. So they've set up the pitching where Scherzer's going to pitch opening day. And I think he's going to be followed by, um, I don't know if it's Senga or Carrasco, but then Verlander pitched the third game. So Verlander can pitch opening day in New York. So that should be very exciting, um, which is in the, in the first week of April. Uh, but, but the Mets have done, let, let's just talk a little bit about what's gone on in the month of March, because it's been pretty dramatic. So Quintana went down. Uh, that alters the starting rotation a little bit. The big one was in the WBC, Edwin Diaz out for the season. And we'll talk about the, the key, key being the bullpen. And the other thing that happened this week is that the three main rookies, Brent Beatty, um, Francisco Alvarez, and, and Mark Vientos were all sent down. So it seems to me that the Mets are approaching the season as let's go with the veterans We'll bring the rookies up as the first line of defense. And then, you know, as sort of needed and as they perform. And I think they all left a little something in spring training. I'm not sure Alvarez hit as well. Beatty hit but didn't field as well. And Vientos, I'm not sure exactly where he fits until they figure out the roster with Ruff and all these other things that we might see happen this week. But it seems like they're going to go veterans, then bring up some of the guys, and then by the trade deadline or sooner, make any moves that happen. So um, we'll talk all through it, but Matt, any initial thoughts on some of these moves? No, it's exciting to kind of see some of the veterans emerge, and obviously the younger guys, I think, Beatty, Vientos, um, uh, what, what the cat, Fernando Alvarez, yes. um, He, it's good to see them kind of be able to work on their game, work on their craft. So it's going to be an exciting year for the Mets. Yeah, I think they have they have enough to start the season where they don't have to rely on the young guys. So when we look at the Mets, and we've talked about this in some of the, the previous podcasts, if you look at it sort of unit by unit, 
it's a pretty damn good team. I mean, if you look at the hitting and the lineup, uh, Pete could be in for a, an MVP-type season. Um, it's second base, McNeil was the batting champion last year. So that's, you know, great coming back. Lindor is solid as ever. And then Escobar is going to get the nod at third base. So I think, you know, from the infield, they look good. On the outfield, you'll have Kana, Nimmo coming back from injury. Marte backed up. You know, Marte seems like he's going to be healthy. Uh, Pham is going to be sort of the first guy off the bench, which is a new addition. And they have a few other utility-type guys like LoCastro and whatever who may make the team thoughts. I think the Mets, from a hitting standpoint, Matt, seem pretty good. Yeah, the hitting's very solid. And I think last year there was a lot of carryover to this year. And I think having just that stability and that Nimmo and Marte and some of these other guys who were – McNeil won the batting championship. And it's just – it's great to see the hitting consistency kind of carry over year over year because some years the Mets – they come into seasons, they don't have that hitting consistency, and they kind of flop in the beginning and are just carried by their pitching. So I'm, I'm happy that they have a good core of good hitters. Yeah, and I think that, you know, once again, not major moves made in the lineup. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, so and, and I think that was a strength, and I'm looking for a lot of these guys like Pete and, and McNeil to take the next step. And, you know, even in the outfield, we'll have to see with Kenna and Pham in left field what goes on there. But uh, and, and, you know, and I think one of the other keys we'll talk about is health, that just guys stay healthy. Nimmo slid into second during spring training, thought they might be out. It looks like we're ready for opening day. Marte is always, you know, someone who has a proclivity for injuries in his career. So we just got to keep an eye on that. Now, pitching is a little bit different. Let's start with the starting rotation. You know, so solid, Scherzer, Verlander. Quintana's out now. So you you have Senga, who has done pretty well in spring. Carrasco, solid. And then you're going to have Peterson and McGill getting in in the action, whether it's as fifth starter, which they haven't named yet, or, you know, there are going to be times they go to a sixth starter. Yeah, I think the key with this rotation is health like obviously with any rotation it's health but last year they kind of hit the injury bug later in the season um with Peterson and McGill I think they're both proved themselves to be very good and I think they were very good last year so it's going to be about consistency I think the key is Senga I think if Senga like I've said in previous episodes if Senga's really solid and kind of outplays his third you know starter slot or fourth starter slot I think it'll be key for the Mets uh, going forward. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It, it, you you think coming into the season, if you're losing DeGrom, you would think, oh my God, what's our pitching going to be like? But you have Scherzer and Verlander. I mean, bringing Verlander in is huge. The big key is avoiding injuries. With the age of the guys. With too, the age of the, the guys. And that's the issue. I mean, and if they, even if they, you know, play together two-thirds of the season and they're each injured for a little bit. And I and look, and I think it pitches at this age, you're you know, you're not gonna get like 35 starts from them. You may get like 26 starts. And as long as they sort of spread out over time, there was a period last year where the Mets played pretty well and they didn't have DeGrom or Scherzer. Yeah, and I think I think it's on Buck too, Buck Showalter to figure out kind of what the best combinations are and how to keep guys healthy in the long term because it's like an analogy with Thibodeau and and how he plays guys like when you play guys 50 and this may be the detriment of the Knicks now but I'll, I'll make it for the Mets if you play guys too much they're gonna get overworked and they're gonna get injured so it's like really spacing them out and making sure that they can go the the whole 162 game season and more 
Yeah, I think that's right. And I, and I also think that Peterson and McGill are both going to have pretty big roles. I mean, I, I see them each getting like 20 starts. Like they're going to they're gonna be in the mix the whole season unless they acquire someone. We don't know when Quintana is ever going to play. Like, yeah. honestly, guys they, like that. They both – Peterson and McGill were both great. And I think just with the Mets, a lot of this roster is if it's if it's not broke, don't fix it. And yeah. I think they were able to retain a lot of guys, bring in some new guys for depth. It was a team that was very good that got bounced early last year. But they really made it just – Short it up. Yeah, they did shore it up. So the other area that in the pitching side is the bullpen. Now, obviously, once again, another catastrophic thing. Diaz is out for the season. So if you think about this, this was a 101-win team from last year that's lost both Diaz and DeGrom. Now, DeGrom only pitched like 64 innings or some ridiculously low number last year. But um, it's still major losses. And, and we all know what happened with the. Diaz, the fortunate thing, and the Mets had the foresight to shore up the bullpen in the offseason. So they brought back out of Vino. They brought in David Robertson, who's a very good swing guy, who's both closed and, you know, been a setup guy his entire career and definitely can do that. Drew Smith comes back with a year more experience. Brooks Raley's a great left-hander. And then they have some bullpen depth. So the question is going to be early season – is can this collection of guys hold it together or do they need to bring in a closer like for the season? And a lot of people have been like, oh, bring in uh, Diaz's brother from Cincinnati, which wouldn't be a bad move. Alexis Diaz. Alexis Diaz. But that we don't know that that's even it's very hard with the timing of this to bring someone in uh, right before the season begins. Yeah. the Mets really don't have leverage to bring anybody in right now, so they kind of might have to sit and wait. Yeah, I think they're going to have to see how the beginning of the season goes. And I think once you get into May, June, there could be opportunities to bring people in. But net-net, the t- you know, the, I think the keys to the season are health, keeping people at a minimum of injuries, both in, especially in the pitching— because we can't afford, like, you know, Scherzer or Verlander to be out for extreme amounts of time. I think the other key to the season is sort of at the GM level. How, what kind of moves can they make, both internal and external? The Mets have been very good about not trading their prospects. And we, you know, we don't know when they're going to bring these rookies up. And some of it is maybe you know, based on injuries or needs or guys, you know, if Escobar gets off to a slow start, things like that, we'll have to see. And then the other key to me is the bullpen, that the bullpen is able to come through at an acceptable level. It's not going to be Diaz. We're not going to have the trumpets every night. It's not going to be the big celebration, but just be respectable. And, you know, this is where Buck comes in, how he mixes and matches and what can they do? Any, any thoughts, Matt, on those keys that you see? Yeah, I think the keys, like you said, the mixing and matching, I think stands out to me is just making sure those matchups and the lineups are all set correctly will be key for them going forward. I, I think it's not, it's not like an overstated part of things, but I think it's definitely just key with those matchups, making sure that he's doing things the right way. Yeah, so I think we're, we're coming up to an exciting season. So last year, the Mets won 101 games. Do you yeah. think they can win 101 or more this year? 
dependent on a couple of things. The health, obviously health of the team, closer situation, starting pitching, gelling together. And I think the hitting being at that level that it was at last year is key. So you think they can or can't? I think they can. I think they can too. Yeah. I think they can. I'm very optimistic for the season. So the other thing we're optimistic for, we were just reading this this week, is they had a preview this week. I've not seen it, and I'm looking forward to this. The new scoreboard in City Field, it supposedly is the entire outfield or almost the entire outfield. And they had two pretty big scoreboards before, so I think that's very exciting. Um, the other thing is they're adding to the City Field menu from Empanada Mama, Emma's Torch, and Takumi Taco. And they're going to have some Sunday donuts and all kinds of other goodies. Well, I think also something in that article that was overlooked was the student ticket plan. So for $15, they're making it like $15 a ticket. And I think they're trying to get more college students to go to games. It's a genius idea. Yeah, I think it'll bring idea. a lot of people out. And if I have a .edu email address, I may have to uh, you know, sign <laughs> up for that. Take advantage of that. Take yes. advantage of that. Yeah, likewise, they also announced, I think, like a some crazy 25 grand a ticket where it's like you get the clubs and not, <laughs> which we're not going to do that but anyway so we're looking forward to baseball season beginning so that's our episode for this week next week is our 10th episode so we're looking forward to that and for everyone who has given us feedback and listen please continue to subscribe on spotify and apple and listen to us during your work weekend workouts that's where i hear a lot of people do this and uh, we're very excited. Matt, any final thoughts? Yeah, just keep listening, subscribe, follow. And uh, yeah, we're hoping to put out more good content for uh, everybody. All right. Thanks, everyone. Have a great week.